gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice. The superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the hall of justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, Bob. And what he does is the Hall of Justice Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Hall of Justice. My name is Seth Everett. And if you're listening to this when it's released, yes, we're still all in quarantine. I hope you're staying home. I hope you're staying safe. And if you're listening to this in the future, tell me how we get out of this. Please just let me know on Twitter. Just tell me, hey, I heard this podcast. We're already out of it. Life's back to normal. That's what I'm hoping for. This is a unique time in our world. And this is a unique time to have this amazing guest. I have wanted to have this young lady on for such a long time. And the reasons why we're going to have her on make a lot of sense for the Hall of Justice podcast. But given the fact that it's the first week of April of 2020, and we're in a pandemic all over, the honor of having a government official on this rinky-dink podcast. No, it's not rinky-dink. We have a lot of listeners. But on this show is truly perfectly timed. Uh, Lenore Zan is a member of Canada's parliament. She is in parliament. She works in a government. And wouldn't you want to talk to a government official right now? I don't care what country you're listening to this show in. You, we have listeners all over the world. They would want to listen. But here's the trick. Because if that name doesn't ring a bell and you're saying, why is he having a government official? She's also the voice of Rogue. She was rogue on the X-Men animated series. We had Wolverine on this show, and now we have Rogue. This is so exciting. Lenore Zan, welcome to the Hall of Justice. Thank you so much for doing this. How are you? Well, hello there, sugar. How you doing today? Oh, how God, that how voice. y'all doing out there? That <laughs> voice. That's the voice. You know, now everybody knows how I feel like, because... My daddy liked to kill himself when he found out I was a mutant. <laughs> <laughs> now there's a whole bunch of other mutants out there too, all just quarantined off in their homes, trying to stay safe. So welcome to my world. It is bonkers. It's so bonkers. And I have to ask <laughs> about the transition, but why don't we do the pressing stuff for it? I, I'd be I'd be ignorant if sure, we did. Sugar. If we did, you're gonna do this whole thing as rogue. Oh what's, my god! I, what's the I wasn't ready. Thin, sugar. What do, What do you got for me? Tell me, tell me. This pandemic. Um, the what are you most concerned of? That the loss of life is it going to be under control? And it's going to be the business angle of it, the economic angle. How do we come out of this? What's the line of hope? In all seriousness, what's the hope that I can 
I can take and I can tell my family and I can tell my friends and I can tell the 45,000 listeners or so? First of all, sugar, keep in mind, this too shall pass. There have been many pandemics, epidemics, viruses in the past, in the world. And yes, unfortunately, there is death. There is suffering. There is economic hardship. But each time we have gotten through it in the end. This time around, the one thing that your listeners that can do, my fans, do I have any fans out there, please? We have one superpower, and that superpower, which can save lives, is to stay home. That's all we need to do. If we stay home for as long as we can until the health experts tell us that it's okay and the pandemic is over, then we will save lives, not only of our friends and our community, but also of those frontline workers who go to work every day for us. And they are putting their lives on the line. So the least that we can do for them is to use our one little superpower, which is to stay home. And yes, we will get through this. In, in, what do you say? And I'm just going to play devil's advocate for a second. What do you say to the guy who says he's listening in Alabama? Okay, in Alabama, their government hasn't done a stay at, stay at home policy. So the guy says, I own a store of some kind and I can't put food on my family's table unless I go to work. I'm willing to risk it. What do you say to that person? You're not any use to anybody dead my friend. I love Alabama. I have friends in Alabama. And I'm telling them, stay home. Stay home in your home. Look after your wife, your kids, your family, your husband, your partner, your grandma and grandpa. Look after yourselves. Only go out once or twice to get groceries or to go to the pharmacy. Otherwise, just stay home. The business will come back or it won't. But without you alive, you don't have a business anyway. I, I hear you and I look, I, I understand. Um, I just, I feel bad for all those people and I hear that battle cry. You know what I mean? I hear that battle cry and I, I wish I had an answer and I want sports back and I want all these things back. And what about, and if you could do this in your regular voice, I just think <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody to think. What are you talking about? This, honey, this is my regular voice. You're funny. You're, you're funny because I, if I recall, you would much rather have talked politics when we hung out and not talk about the X-Men. And all I wanted to talk about was Rogue, if I remember correctly. I am talking about life and death. That's what I'm talking about. Do you, um, how do I phrase this? Um, do you feel that as, you know, as this goes on and, and, and the mental toll that it has taken on people, I heard a very compelling argument 
that sports and entertainment can play a role. And I don't think it's feasible. I don't think it's logistical, logistically smart to get sports franchises together and quarantine them all because I don't think you can police that kind of thing. And you don't know where everybody's been. And one guy gets sick and now everybody gets sick and it's all over. Um, but there's a unique thing that the NBA is trying with this game of horse where every player is on their own personal court and nobody's socially you know, interacting in any way, but it's a, it's a television thing. And somebody told me today, the society needs entertainment. They need something new because you can only watch the X-Men series that many times, you know, something like that. And do you think from the people that you talk to in your circles and in the government circles that you travel in, has anybody put that into context of what that value is no matter how challenging it may be given these circumstances? Well, first of all, I got to say one thing as rogue. Okay. There's always the Tiger King. Unleash the Tiger King. Don't watch that crap. Come on. You're better than that. (laughs) It was funny. I mean, I loved it personally. I watched it myself with my nephew and we had a, oh my God, we couldn't believe it. It was, it was (laughs) the best entertainment. But that said, um two things and this is lenore speaking now not rogue but rogue was talking about what lenore also believes which is stay home that's the number one thing we can do um unless you're an essential service worker uh working on the front lines that's all we can do um there are many different government programs here in canada that we are unrolling in in order to help the people who are um, suffering economically right now. And I hope that your government does the same thing for you guys because it's gonna be uh, lifelines for small businesses, medium-sized businesses, um, individuals, people who are homeless, women who are suffering from abuse, women who um, are living in a situation that is dangerous with uh, a partner who is now home 24-7, possibly even drinking, and they're having no reprieve. So they need to, you know, escape and get to a shelter, for instance. So we're putting money into all kinds of things like that, including um, food banks. Like we just uh, announced we're putting $100 million into food banks and food security. And um, we're hiring different companies to make all the PPE the products, 3,000 different uh, companies right across the country who are now creating, you know, masks and gowns. And one company in my hometown here, Truro, Nova Scotia, called Stanfields. Now they are, they've been making underwear, really great cotton underwear for like over a hundred years. Well, now they are making um, gowns, hospital gowns for frontline workers working with a plastics company that is also in my town. And the plastics company is providing this special material. And then the Stanfield's underwear factory is now creating gowns. So it's called working together, coming together to try and create solutions for the benefit of all. And that's where we need to go. We need to think about the whole of society 
And that's why we say the only thing you can do right now, unless you have a particular urgent essential job, is to stay home. Um, when it comes to sports and entertainment, I mean, I would imagine entertainment is, is going through the roof right now with all kinds of shows that people are watching. I mean, it's, it's smart of Netflix to be offering people as much as they want for the next two weeks. Um, personally, I think it's going to go on longer than two weeks. It, it, this, ain't, yeah. this ain't going to be over in two weeks, folks. Nope. Nope. Um, you know, so entertainment, yes, people are thirsty, hungry for entertainment. Um, when it comes to sports, you know, or even, like even entertainment live, people, movies have stopped being made right now. Television series are not being shot right now. Theater is dead. Like sure. all of my friends who are actors are out of a job now because their entire yeah. summer season has been canceled. Right. However, our government is taking that into consideration and we now have what's called the, the Canada Emergency Response Benefit. And they just have to apply and they will get $500 a week for the next 16 weeks, so four months, to tide them through. And anybody who can, who can qualify for EI, uh, unemployment insurance in the States, um, they, will, they will also be able to, to be looked after. And these are the kinds of measures that as a government, you need governments to be able to help people with, or else people are just left on their own to fend for themselves. And they will make desperate choices, which are not gonna be healthy for them or others. Before we get back to the show, I just want to tell you about a very cool announcement that was recently made about the Hall of Justice. We are so excited that this show is now available to stream free on Spotify. Spotify, folks, that is the what the young kids are using. Spotify is something my kids use. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's it's a downloadable app. You can use Spotify on any device, iPhone, Samsung, Android, whatever you want to do. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to music. You can listen to Prince. You can listen to superhero songs. You know the kind of stuff I listen to. And then switch right over to this podcast in the very same app. Just search for The Hall of Justice on Spotify and start listening free. It's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. We're excited that there are new listeners that are going to find this show, and I'm so grateful for everybody that subscribes, listens, rates, and reviews. The Hall of Justice is now on Spotify. Now back to the show. Justice and peace for all mankind. You sound so comfortable, and this is the thing I noticed from watching press conferences of you. I was so taken aback when I found out I was meeting you. We met in New Orleans uh, in January of this year. I mean, it wasn't mm. that long ago. It was, so, we're, I know. we're not talking about years and years and years ago. And the reality of it is, is that life was so different. We were walking down the street and we were seeing yeah. all these people. I remember it, but you it was actually, if you think about it, it was three months ago. Like today, we were there oh January we were there. 2nd and 3rd and 4th, I believe. And, and who were... knew at that time right. 
that New Orleans would be going through the hell that they're going through. My heart goes out to New Orleans and, you know, New York and Los Angeles and Detroit, wherever this the virus is hitting. And anybody who feels like they're safe from it, they're not. It's coming. <laughs> it's like the Game of Thrones. Winter is coming. And unless we all band together and leave our selfishness behind and say, we need to work together to stop this progression, then it will come for everybody. And my whole motto is, what do we say to the God of death? Not today. Well, the, the, where I was going to go is when we were there and we were in New Orleans, you were brilliant when you were talking about the X-Men and you, you know, your, your friends, you know, the, your friends with the cast and they're all such wonderfully nice people. And, you know, uh, two weeks ago we had uh, Diedrich Bader on and I just, I, 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 it, it dawns on me that every time we have a voice actor, they're just so kind and nice and thoughtful. And you know, that there's one thing, but when you started talking about government, your eyes lit up, like you got (laughs) so into it. Was this always part of your personality? How did you make the tr- transition? Because when you, you know, the, the the short version is you you were a kid, you went to school, and you fell in love with acting, and you became an actor. You've been in movies, and you obviously have this iconic voice role with with Rogue. But what about the transition? What when did government get into your system? Um. Well, I've always loved traveling. I love meeting people from different countries, different cultures, different cities, like right across North America uh, and around the world. I'm also very interested in languages, different languages. I like learning different languages. Like right now while I'm on lockdown here or, you know, we're in isolation, I'm taking French classes by Skype three nights a week. So like I'm doing all my government job from home daily. And then at night I'm taking a two hour course, three, three nights a week to learn French. Cause here in Canada, we're a bilingual. It's supposed to be, well, it's not a bilingual country, but French and English are both recognized. And course, so, yeah. you know, so up in Ottawa, which is the capital where I go into parliament, so many people can speak French and English. It just blows my mind. And I'm so jealous because I want to be able to do that too. So it started off with my love of travel and meeting people and learning about different countries. And then it morphed into, okay, how do these different countries uh, and cultures, how, how do their governments look after their people? And I am of the mind that governments are there to help make the lives of people better. That's, that's what government is for. And so I spent time in different countries doing plays or movies or television. Um, and while I was there, I was able to talk to the regular ordinary people, learn about their governments, learned what worked, what didn't work. So for instance, I got to go to Sweden for a year and live in Stockholm, Stockholm, Sweden. And there they have a social democratic government. So basically what Bernie Sanders is talking about, they have that there and they've had that there for a long time. 
And statistics show that in those Scandinavian countries and countries that have social democratic um, governments and systems, the people live longer, healthier lives, happier lives. They spend less time calling in sick for work. They spend less time in the hospital. There are less suicides. Um, and it's because the attitude is about how do we look after each other? How do we look after society instead of what's in it for me? And I find that sometimes in our Western countries, it's, we, it, we're bombarded, we are brainwashed really by ads and politics and policies and people who just say, what about me, what about me, what about me? Who wants to be a millionaire? Who wants to marry a millionaire? Well, in those countries, you can be rich, you can own companies, you can jet around, you can do whatever you want to do. But the bottom line is that everybody is brought up to feel that we need to look after each other. And luckily for me, uh, being here in Canada, Canada is like that too. We don't have a, a social democracy per se. We have a democracy but we are much more leaning towards social democracy here than in the United States. And a lot of the things that what Bernie Sanders is uh, telling people that you need there is stuff that we also already have. Like we already have free Medicare, uh, universal Medicare, and we have for many, many, many years. So it doesn't, we don't have to lose our homes if we get sick. We don't have to pay to go to the doctor, it's free. Um, so you have, you go in the hospital, guess what? It's paid for. Uh, so, so these are good things. And that sort of, um, learning for me, being in all these different countries, learning about what they have, what they don't have. Some countries that have nothing and the people are poverty stricken and they have to work for tourism and yet they've got like their, their wives or husbands might be dying at home and they can't afford a doctor while they're kowtowing to all of us, you know, it makes me sad. So when I finally uh, did a play in New York, I did my own play uh, back in 2004, 2005, Something you wrote, something you wrote. Yeah, something that I wrote. I wrote a, a one-woman show about Marilyn Monroe called The Marilyn Tapes. And I had played Marilyn when I was 20 years old. I got chosen to play Marilyn Monroe in a rock opera on the life of Marilyn Monroe called uh, Hey Marilyn. And then I was asked to play her, geez, four more times. I've played Marilyn Monroe four or five, like five times altogether. And then I decided to write my own play about her. And I was living in LA at the time and uh, it, was the, it was the anniversary of her like, death of I think it was might have been her 40th the 40th anniversary of her death or something like that yeah in 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 2002 and so I started writing about her and about what it's like to be a woman of a certain age who is now being told by Hollywood that you're too old and you're not a sex symbol anymore and you know they're, they're trying to drag you and throw you over a cliff and you're not ready to go yet and that's how a lot of my female actor friends were feeling um, once you hit a certain age, even like 32, 32 seems to be an age where suddenly 
many of my female actor friends were out of work and their agents were dumping them and uh, a couple of people even committed suicide actor friends that I knew and I survived how did I survive because I did theater because I also discovered that I had a voice for animation and voiceovers so in fact I started doing voiceover acting when I was 32 and then that helped me buy my first home and then it led from there to me doing stuff in Los Angeles so I actually moved back to LA when I was 40 and I started working like oh, all the time and and I worked just as much then in my 40s as I did when I was younger but I was doing a lot of animation and stuff and some television but less films but I was doing a lot more of the voiceovers and the cartoon stuff so it's it saved me in that sense and then finally I got tired of acting I just, I wanted to change the world. I wanted to speak to the world and use all the knowledge and experience that I'd gained from traveling the world. And so I, I put it into that play, the one about Marilyn Monroe. And I did that, but then after I did that, and it was, it was very popular, people really liked it, but they really loved my writing and what I was saying from the heart about the society and the world and politics and women in in, to, in today's society and where they fit and how you're stuck in this little pigeonhole and you want to, you don't want to be seen that way and it, body you know body size is so important to some people and you know and I talked about all that stuff and I realized that after a while I didn't want to talk about it anymore behind a mask of a character, I wanted to just talk about it as Lenore, as myself. And that's when I decided to move back to Nova Scotia, Canada, and buy a house here, do work for the community, give back, teach a bunch of young kids how to act and how to be successful, and teach young people, young artists, that it's okay to be different and that you can be successful no matter where you come from, how much money your parents do or don't have, and to try and teach them what the values of life really are. And that was when I got scouted, so to speak, by a, by a political party who asked me, you know, have you ever thought about running for politics? And at that point I said, well, I thought about it, but you know, I was always busy with my acting and they said, well, why don't you give it a shot? Why don't you run? And um, I did. And that was in 2009. And I won. And then I won two more times. So I, for a whole decade, then 10 years, I was a, a state politician, like a provincial state politician representing a, my my constituency. And then just last fall, I was asked to run federally for Prime Minister Trudeau and his party, which is called the Liberal Party of Canada. And I had to really think hard about it because I had to give up my, my job as a member of the Legislative Assembly for uh, Nova Scotia and take a chance, basically, of possibly losing and losing everything. But 
I've always been a risk taker. So I said, well, why change now? (laughs) So I resigned my seat as a legislator in Nova Scotia, and I ran against uh, seven men, seven men and me, and I won. And that was in October, October 21st. And I went to Parliament. So Rogue goes to Parliament. Rose, <laughs> Rogue goes to Washington. <laughs> and, uh, and here I am. And, and we've hit, been hit with nothing but crises one after the other. And no joke. I'm still standing here talking with you. It's crazy. Hopefully you're sitting down. Um, I am. I am. One last thing about this, because I, I want the rest of the show to be about the X Men. Um, one last thing: when you ran, both on the local level and the and the federal level, did anybody, when you were on the campaign trail, did any connections get made to Rogue, or was there anything about Rogue that was ever a part of it? Because it's such an iconic role, and it was such an iconic series. It's not just a cartoon. It was a legacy kind of cartoon. Did any of that permeate into your political life? Not really. No. That's, um, a, that's amazing. Yeah. It's funny, you know, it's uh, here it's like you have Canada, two lives. You literally have a yeah, secret identity. It, it's, it, it, is, it is true. It's funny because when I was in um, sitting in the legislature in provincial politics, I did uh, an animation series the first year I was in called, what was it called now? Oh yeah, Animal Mechanicals. So I did this show called Animal Mechanicals, which is on Netflix for a while there. I don't know if it is now, but I would go into the studio on like a Friday afternoon or Saturday, and I'd go in for a couple of hours and record a ton of episodes and then come back out and then I'd be, you know, a politician the rest of the week. And then a couple of times I did movies too on my weekends. So just recently like live action, about live action movies. Yeah, like live action movies. So uh, this past year I did a movie uh, on the, my weekends. I shot it on my weekends and it will be coming out soon. And it's called uh, Stage Mother with Jackie Weaver, Lucy Liu and Adrian Grenier, and I've got the fifth lead in it. Uh, from Entourage. Yeah, exactly. And it's going to be awesome. It's a fantastic movie. So keep an eye out for it. Stage That's Mother. Cool. And it just premiered, actually, at the um, Palm Springs uh, International Film Festival, and it won the best like film there at the festival, and it got, like, two or three standing ovations, apparently. I couldn't be there because I was at a Comic-Con. Uh, I think I was at the one in New Orleans. Ah, there you go. Yeah. Hanging with me. Right. Yeah, hanging with you. But meanwhile, my, my movie was premiering in, in Palm Springs. So, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I, I always say, who says you have to make a choice between one thing or another? These days, you know, I think we can all multitask and many of us, we start a second career at the age of 50. So even if something happens during this pandemic and somebody loses a job that they can't get back, in a way I say, okay, health is first. Keep yourself healthy. Look after your family first. 
but then if you need to, once the pandemic has passed and you need to start a new career, look at it like a blessing because you may find that you now have to think about what gives me pleasure and what can serve the world. What can I do to make a difference? And what's something I've always wanted to do that I've never done? And just give it a try. Like, what have you got to lose? The story, the story of how you got rogue. Um, and it was so interesting because nobody in America knew that it was Canadian voice actors. What mm -hmm. we knew was that it was unique, meaning nobody sounded like Rob Paulson. You know, Rob right. Paulson's an icon. He's been on this podcast before and he's an icon, but he's, he, you, you know, when it's him, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Right. And, and, and I don't, I have such reverence for voice acting. The whole thing that made the X-Men unique was that everybody was unique and it had to do with Marvel and their bankruptcy and Canadian uh, voice actors were cheaper at the time and they were on a shoestring budget. They were putting this series together and they auditioned all you guys. And, you know, when we had Cal Dodd on the show, the craziest story was at the audition, you know, Cal Dodd had done a TV show, a circus TV show, uh, very much like uh, Hugh Jackman was in a, mo a circus movie, uh, mm -hmm. but but he shows up and the girl who lived across the street from him that was obsessed with him when she was like 10 or 11 turns out to be Jubilee. And I yeah, thought that's that was, right. That's, that's the craziest right. story. And that's the smallest world story in the in the world. But all you guys became so close and all you guys became buddies and you really had this common bond. Um it's really kind of fascinating. I, I don't want to do the typical like, so how was the audition? But that whole experience just seems so neat for such a series that you guys didn't know this series was going to be that good that fast. No, we had we had no idea. And to be honest, I blew off the audition several times. I didn't even bother auditioning for it when my agent asked me to because I wasn't that interested in doing animation back then. I, I, uh, I was mainly doing theater and film and television and, and radio. I was doing radio dramas, which we had a lot of them back then. Um, but I had just gotten back from doing uh, a play in New York in 1991. And I, I it was, it ran in, well, I was in Chicago for a year with that play and then New York for almost a year. It was called Unidentified Human Remains and the True Nature of Love. And uh, it was this wild play and I did it for a long time. And then I came back to Toronto actually. And uh, my agent in Toronto asked me to audition for this X project that was some animated project. And to be honest, again, I, I blew it off. I didn't go because I just couldn't, I don't know. I just couldn't wrap my head around doing cartoons. And then- And, and in your mind, was it kid stuff? Because that was yeah. the thing about that series. <laughs> Up until that series, it was kid stuff. Right, right. Yeah. And it kind of like, I, I don't know, it just didn't really interest me. I was more into, you know, dramas and- and like on camera stuff or, or really serious theater, like stuff you could really get your teeth into and, you know, chew up the scenery. So anyway, my agent called me this one day, she said, Lenore, they're having callbacks for this 
animated series project and they have not found the right actress to play this one character which they they're looking for somebody with a deep sexy husky voice with a southern accent <laughs> and and the reason that they haven't found that actress Lenore is because it's you so please get your ass in gear get over to the studio and do the audition <laughs> and that that is absolutely the truth so i went okay okay so i went down to the studio i went in i took a look at the drawing of this character i don't even know if they told me what her name was just i saw the picture with the green and yellow suit on and she's got one hand on her hip and she's got that sassy attitude and i was like oh yeah i oh i can i can relate to her and then they just gave me this one little paragraph to say and i read it over maybe like twice and then i went in the studio put the headphones on the producers were in la uh listening in to these auditions i put the headphones on said my name and then i went into it and i always remember what it was because it's just in my mind it was um my daddy liked to kill himself when he found out i was a mutant i don't know oh. i remember when i was 13 when i was 13 i had me a boyfriend had me a boyfriend till i kissed him Poor boy went into a coma for three days. It got so if I touched anybody, it just drove the life right out of him. I don't know, Beast. You know everything. What makes us like the way we are anyways? Uh, and then after I finished, show, I heard this scream. So I heard like a scream on the had coming from the studio in Los Angeles and all these Was it Larry guys, Houston or the Lee Wolves? It was Larry. It was a bunch of other ones. And they were like, that's it. That's her. That's wrong. <laughs> Don't let her go. Where the hell did she come from? That's so cool. And that was it. That was like nothing, no other questions. They were like, that's it. Done. So I, I, I had the role, you know? All right, Rogue. Um, when did you realize, was it early on, late in the show, when did you realize, A, that the writing was as good as it was, and when did you realize the fans for the show were so numerable? Um, I believe we all uh, realized how good the writing was right away. You know, the very first episode, I think it might have been a two-part episode that first on the night of the Sentinels. When, when Morph dies. Yeah. And, you know, the night of the Sentinels, I think it was called or something yep. like that. Yep. Maybe the night first the one. Sentinel. Yep. Um, but it was pretty clear from the writing, for, right from the get-go, that it was fantastic. And that there were so many layers, different layers to it, which, which as again, as a, somebody who was an actor who really liked to get my teeth into complicated and difficult roles, not just your average everyday kind of boring surface role. Um, I loved that. And so it was also fun doing it in the studio together and all riffing off each other like a play, right? So we'd all be there and doing like a table read and then we'd be in the studio and we'd all be looking at each other with our microphones and we'd, you know, each do our lines and then be quiet for a second and then do our line. 
and it was it was really really exciting none of us knew that the show was so successful until years later really i mean you know we heard oh it's really big success and we want you to do more and but each year they never told us till the last minute that we were going to be doing another another season and to be honest we didn't really realize how big it was until just recently to be honest not really not until we started doing some of us started doing the the comic cons i mean my first comic con was in texas uh before like a year ago a year ago i was at a comic con in in texas new Braunfels, and um it was huge and then i went to tennessee chattanooga tennessee and then um i went to los angeles uh just before christmas and there were like a hundred thousand people there and it was amazing i mean it blew my mind how many people knew the x-men and loved the x-men and so uh really it's like most of the cast has been in the dark about how popular the show is and, and and it's just very rewarding and we're all very grateful and we're all really appreciative of of the fans it's it, it's it's fascinating um was there a, a moment do the best episodes that you enjoyed were they the rogue episodes or is there an episode that involved another character you know the phoenix saga or, or anything any of the wolverine episodes and is there a line that you think of now i'm not it's not a dance monkey situation but is there something that you resonate that when you hit it and you nailed that line and you said oh my goodness i am part of something special you look about as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's my favorite line. <laughs> when he tells Gambit, when you say, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's so many. I just, I, I love the one where I get in the car and he's trying to kiss me or something. And I just take him by the collar and throw him, yep. toss him out, of, toss him out of the convertible. Uh, I love that one. I also loved when, um, I mean, my favorite show, my favorite episode was A Rogue's Tale. Of course, because right. you know you learn her back history. Well, and, how she gets the powers that the X Men movies didn't give her, right? And it, ironically, exactly. it's Captain Marvel, which was a blockbuster last year. Yes, yes, exactly. And also, how I think so many people and young people relate to Rogue, to my character, because she got tossed out of home early when her own parents disowned her, in particular her father, and she had to roam around the world, really, the universe, trying to find out where she fit in and who she was. And so many young people can relate to that. And whether or not they got tossed out of home or not, everybody's searching for who they are, why they're here, and where do they belong? And is there, you know, is there a home for them? Is there a group or a tribe or whatever you want to call it 
where they belong. All you have to do is look at young people who get involved in gangs. Same thing. They're looking to belong. And people who end up, you know, getting into jail for whatever reason, many of them, interestingly enough, have written to me from jail because they relate to my character and the loneliness and the vulnerability of my character. She looks strong. She acts strong. She is a kick-ass character. She is, she is the strongest woman in the universe. But she has a vulnerability that she can never, ever, ever be close to anybody. She can never be intimate with anybody. And that is a killer. So many people can relate to her on these different levels. And that's what makes her so special. And that's why I love her. And that's why I still love playing her whenever I get the opportunity. It's and so I, cool. I would, I would love them to do a, a show about Rogue. I would, I would love to bring back Rogue and do a, you know, a cartoon series based on Rogue and her friends and the X-Men. I mean, I think that would be amazing. And right now the world needs heroes like that, anti-heroes, people who aren't necessarily who you would think of as a hero, but who deep down they, they are because they would lay their life on the line for somebody else. And right now we can see many of those those you know, those small town heroes and those people who are on the front lines fighting for us every day, putting their lives on the line to save humanity, the community, and each individual from this terrible, terrible um, death, this winter, you know, the winter is coming, the, the Night King, which right now, the face of the Night King is uh, COVID-19 crazy it's, it's absolutely crazy my mm -hmm. favorite x-men line is is not yours it's when they're trying to rescue gene from the hellfire club and wolverine is going through the tunnels and he comes out the wine cellar and he yeah. comes out and the guy this big uh, plumpy guy says where's my chateau 59 and wolverine <laughs> kicks him in the head and goes lousy year <laughs> my, oh my god my favorite line of all time <laughs> i and, could see and that. what does that say about you <laughs> oh my god you got lousy year oh god and cal cal was so good you know because he 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 did all the lines and he was so funny and you know it's just it it there's such a kinship that people feel and uh i can't thank you enough uh, for, oh, for doing so this welcome Last question. How can people get a hold of you? You're on social media. Your people are hearing this. They want to help. They have questions. They want to know something. How can they Twitter, get a hold of you? Twitter, man. Twitter. Twitter. Twitter is the best tell, way. Tell people your handle and tell oh, them. Oh, gosh. I don't even know if I know what my handle is, to be uh, honest. You'll have to you tell me what my at, handle is. At Zan Lenore. Z-A-N-N-L-E-N-O-R-E. She is one of the sweetest people you'll see on Twitter. Twitter, and she's doing amazing things for the government. But she's just awesome, and Aww. she was rogue for God's sakes. <laughs> and I do actually write back when people tweet tweet at me. Um, I actually do. Off, I will oftentimes respond. Well, so yeah, send me a tweet, and you'll get a tweet back from you'll get a tweet back from me, sugar, saying uh, hi. And stay inside, stay home, 
Stay home, sugar. <laughs> Thank you Listen, so much. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Much. And see how people like it. And then oh, if you ever want to do like a follow-up sometime, if people are interested and they they want to hear more, they've got questions, you know, well, I don't know. If how we're you, still you quarantined, if we're still quarantined in a month, why don't we revisit this? Yes, exactly. Yeah, for idea. sure. Yeah. All right, my friend. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Now, stay safe. I'm glad you're, you're looking after yourself and your family. That's great. We will. We will. Take care of yourself and take care of the whole country. Thank you, tell, Seth. Tell Canada, I give them my best. I will. I will. I appreciate okay. it. Bye. Yeah, bye. Believe it or not.